Welcome, sports fans, to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at jtandthedon at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don, Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to leave us a five-star review. Thank you to Nicole Thompson for the wonderful introduction, as always, and to our guy, Mike Regina, for the awesome intro music that pumps us up to start every show and we have a nice mix today of basketball and football for all of you so let me welcome in everyone's favorite JT Jimmy Thompson how you feeling today good except for the fact that I think we should put a disclaimer on our last episode because we came in you know telling everybody what to look for during March Madness and doing all these predictions and we basically proved that, you know, we probably don't know what we're talking about. So if you put any money on down in Vegas or locally with some of the stuff that we told you to do last week, we apologize. Do not send the hate mail to me directly. You can send it to Donato in D.C. Um, he'll square you up. Well, people know not to place bets based on our picks if they've been following us throughout oh, the history. Always, no, I, throughout I the history, like you talk enough about Vegas and betting that people think you know what you're talking it, about. So somebody somewhere might have gone and said, "You know what, Don might be right. Let me bet all my life savings on this team." Oh, no, no if, if if you look at the history of the show, and and by the way, JT, this is episode eighty. So if you look at the history of our show, you know that we are not good at predictions and we hit every once in a while as we did with Abilene Christian. So you got to give us credit there, right? We both called that. Um, but there's so many upsets here, JT. I, I mean, just everything goes out the window in this tournament and even moving forward, I think. So I, I don't even know who's it's like, who is who in this tournament? Like these are nobodies. Well, that, that's the thing. So so let's get into that. The first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, to me personally, they've been sensational. I, I don't know how you felt about it. I've been watching almost every game just sitting in front of the television. It, it's been amazing watching these games. And Oral Roberts, all right, making it as a number 15 seed to the Sweet 16 this upcoming weekend. Plus, you also have Loyola Chicago who's back in the Sweet 16 after their upset of number one, Illinois, who that really destroyed my bracket because I had them winning it all. I tried so, to talk you off that ledge. You did, you did. But listen, <laughs> let's not go to that side of the bracket because you had Oklahoma State on that side. So let, let's yeah, let's not go oh, there. Oh, Cade Cunningham. <laughs> and by the way, JT, with all of our picks, there's always a disclaimer that we are not professionals please proceed at your own risk. So you you know, you know that's our disclaimer here. So, JT, without Duke and Kentucky, I was thinking about this this past weekend, without Duke and Kentucky in the big dance, are we missing or do you feel college basketball is missing some of those blue bloods in this tournament this year? Not really. It, to me it's great seeing new teams get a chance to win it all and there's something about seeing this is going to sound really messed up, but seeing kids that, you know, and they know that this is their probably the last moment of like meaningful basketball being played. And they're like going all out and putting it all on the line. So seeing that and it's a one and done situation without like those those blue bloods, like you mentioned, I think that makes for a better atmosphere. Yeah, I haven't missed it at all or missed those teams at all. Um, and if you've been watching a majority of these games, you're watching good games, great endings. All right. High and effort. High effort. Great point. And there's been upsets. So, like, what else do you do you want? And, and if this is the first time you've ever watched college hoops, you would think that this is awesome what you're seeing. And you wouldn't even know about Duke or Kentucky because there's been no reason to even discuss them. 
Except, well, it's been that way all year. I mean, because we watch ACC right. basketball. It hasn't exactly been a banner year. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you're not really missing them because they're not playing at a high level right now, meaning those two specific programs. And at the end of the day, for me, I just want good basketball. I want good hoops. Yeah, is it nice to have those brand names in there? Sure. But oh, how good would it have been to have had Robert Morris in this tournament this year? You know, and that's the thing. I felt awful for the guys that played on Robert Morris last year because, JT, if you remembered, they made Robert, the tournament. Robert they Morris the made the tournament. And they they go over to a new conference this year. They don't have quite the success, which I think they'll, they'll get back. It always takes time. But, but I mean, have, for you to punch your ticket and not be able to play, that's I mean. tough. Yep. Yep. Especially if you're a junior, right? It's tough as a senior, but as a junior, you're thinking, all right, I have a chance to come back. And now you, you're sitting there thinking, wow, like, I didn't get the chance last year thinking I'd have it. And now I do have a chance this year. And we, we, you know, we just don't make it. That stings, I think, even more for those juniors from a year ago. Um, so listen, at the end of the day, I just want good games. That Michigan LSU game was great. The Texas Tech, the Texas Tech Arkansas game was, was a great one as well. Sign me up for those, even if the Blue Bloods are not in it. Now, the Big Ten conference, all right. They've taken a major hit during these first two rounds, JT, with only one team, and that's Michigan, remaining from the conference. So do you think Big Ten hoops this season was overrated? Isn't the Big Ten overrated in every sport every year? Like, Ooh. besides Ohio State and football. Shots like, fired <laughs> early in this show. It's true. Tell me if I'm lying. It's and, <laughs> hey, they're not shot at me, so I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You're not taking shots at me for once. (laughs) To be honest with you, I said this on the last show. I really wasn't high on the Big Ten teams to begin with. And I know Michigan is still in it. (sighs) We're not shouting him. I'm not shouting him out. You know who you are. Yes, Michigan will lose eventually. But even them, like, I still don't believe in Michigan. And they're a number one seed. And I thought they had the easiest region. And I still don't trust them. So the Big Ten is doing exactly what I thought they would do, which is disappoint and underperform. See, I'm not necessarily going to jump on that bandwagon that you are, that, oh, they're overrated. Listen, they had more teams in the NCAA tournament than any other conference. They had nine teams in, JT. You know what that means? Yes, their chance of advancing is greater, but it's also a greater chance of upsets and them not getting to the Sweet 16. And so their record's going to look a little worse than it is. Only Ohio State and Purdue were truly upset in the first round, and then Illinois lost in the second round, but to a really, really good Loyola team who was probably misseeded. Like, they should not have been in that 8-9 game to begin with. Yeah, I feel so, like Illinois kind of got they got played by the selection committee because somebody, somebody that had a high um, seed was going to be, like, they wanted that matchup, I feel like, on TV. Like, all right. Right. This is a big dog. We want Loyola to get a chance to take him down in front of everybody. So Illinois just happened to draw that card. Right. And it both happened to be there, both from the state of Illinois. So it looks even better for, for ratings purposes. But two reasons why I'm going to say no, they were not overrated uh, as, as an overall conference. In addition to some of the things I just mentioned, it's a small sample size, JT. You know, in football, you're only based on a small sample size because you really only have 12 or 13 games. But in college hoops, you play 20, 25 games this year, 30 usually on a normal year, but then you're judged on one NCAA tournament game. Like I know that's the way it is, but that's a, such a small sample size that to me that that's not right. You can't just say, oh, because they couldn't win in the tournament, they're overrated. And then one of the biggest things I think is, and I call it the Big East syndrome from the 2000s, is there were so many good teams, I think, in the Big Ten that they were beating up each other, wearing each other down, that when they played other teams outside of their conference late in the year like they did in the NCAA tournament, they they were basically – they were gassed, right? Man, they the went SEC through, does that every they, year in football, and they usually win the national championship. But, but again, but again, that's a little different because you then have a month in between the conference title game and the bowl game or the, or the playoffs here – you had three days. Illinois had four days to get ready to get back in the grind of things, right? Loyola wasn't having to face Ohio State every game, Michigan every game, Wisconsin every game, Iowa every game. You want me to keep going? Rutgers every game. Like, 
Loyola wasn't doing that. Illinois was. So that's what happened. And why I say it's the Big East syndrome is you look at back in the day in the 2000s when Pitt, Villanova, UConn, Syracuse, those teams every year were top five. And then you even had some of those second tier teams that were really good still. The St. John's, you know, the, the Miami's, the Boston colleges. So the Georgetown's like you couldn't get away from it. it and that's what I think happened Don, here. Just, so, a, just admit that you were wrong about the Big Ten teams. I no, tried to tell you. It, no, it Michigan's was, still overrated. alive. Michigan's still not alive. not going to turn out the way you thought it was. Michigan's still alive. It blew up in your face pretty early. Michigan's still alive. I have them in the final four, so uh, it's not over yet. Not giving up the ship yet. All right, so we've been talking. I've mentioned some upsets um, to start this segment. Now, JT, why do you think we are seeing all of these upsets, and is it a good thing for NCAA basketball? Well, yeah, it's good, like we said before, because you. I feel like the thing that's alluring about March Madness is you want to see David take down Goliath. For like that's that's a weird way to look at the sports, but people want to see that in football. They don't want to see. They just want to see the the big guys keep winning. But I mean, the main reason you're seeing all upsets is just because Sister Jean Dolores is in the building. I mean, I feel like every time she shows up to a tournament, chaos ensues. Like it's just the way it is. But that's only one team she roots for. No, but, what happened but about all the other? As soon as she starts showing up, Cinderella stuff starts happening. I don't. That's usually the way it goes. But I think it's a combination of a few things. One, there's no crowds, and we talked about this before the tournament. Like, how would not having a crowd there like affect like you know the magic of March Madness? You know, like those like those big momentum plays and like the buzzer beaters and things like that. Also, you saw with the can, NBA can, bubble, no crowd I- means no pressure so people play different when there's no pressure can so. i ask you something there then wouldn't because I, I i thought of that and then i backed off of my reasoning and i didn't write that down because let, let me pose this question to you wouldn't you think crowds and that energy would help the underdog right it would put a lot of pressure on the team that's favored Depends. and it would give energy to the underdog because most of the time unless you're playing duke in greensboro most of the time that neutral crowds rooting for the underdog i agree with you in that but i'm in a strictly neutral site situation i think the crowd plays to like the individual player like some people just play better when there's a big crowd. Some people don't like you just like it's the same thing as the NBA bubble. I just also think that the big conference teams aren't much better than the mid-majors this year. I think like the gap in the teams are it's much closer. Also, this is a small part of it, like very, very small. I'm just throwing this out there. I think what you're seeing too is this is possibly the beginning effects of some of the top high school players not coming to the NCAA and going to the G League instead because I don't know where they would have ended up, but imagine if Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, Dasheen Nix, Kai Soto, and Jonathan Kamiga were all in this in this tournament. Like, you don't know where they are. You don't know what team they're playing for, but I'm assuming one of the two of those guys are playing together. Maybe Kentucky gets in and it's different. Maybe Duke gets in and it's different. Those guys that I just named, they're top 10 to 12 players in the in the upcoming draft. So not having them in the tournament and in college basketball is, I think, also helping the gap get closer between the big schools and like the smaller schools. Well, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why I think this is happening is that you mentioned the talent. And I'll take it a step further. When you're talking to these major conference teams, they have a lot of less experienced guys, right? They have a lot of these one and done or guys who think they're one and done type of players, which they probably should not be <laughs> compared to a team like a Loyola, an Abilene Christian that we talked well, about. They got 40 year old guys it, playing their hearts. Exactly. Out. You got 50 year seniors that have played together for four or five you years, 50 years, 50 year senior. Oh, okay. This biggest trend. No guys, guys that take a red. I know what right? a 50 year senior. They're, I thought you were trying to be funny. I was going to give you what, credit. what do you think I said? 50, uh, 50 year seniors. <laughs> no, 50 year seniors who have played together four or five of those years. And that experience, especially down the stretch in, in games, 
can come back and haunt those major conference teams that don't quite have that experience, especially when they don't have like a fab five. When you have a fab five, hey, throw the experience out the window. Give me the best talented players, right? Whereas, like I said, some of these one and done guys think they should be a one and done. Well, really, they should be a two or three year college player. So they're not quite ready to overtake those those seniors. But a couple of other reasons, maybe less film, JT, than other years, less games. And, and that's less preparation for coaches to get ready for what they may see from a North Texas or an Oral Roberts, right? They're, they're not sure what adjustments can be made. And that goes along with not as many non-conference games this year. So you've seen Abilene Christian against all these other teams where you think, ah, they're not as good because of the conference they're in because you haven't seen them play against other major conference teams. And so you may take them a little bit more uh, lightly than you would have in years past. But I think it's a great thing when you've got upsets in early rounds and you have that one Cinderella team like George Mason, Butler, Loyola, and this year it's Oral Roberts. I you think keep, it's great. We keep saying Oral Roberts. We we know they're they're the Cinderella team that everybody's excited about. Why? What is the story behind that name of that school? Because every time I think of Oral Roberts, I think it's like a dentistry school or something like that. I don't know. I'm probably... I'm absolutely wrong. Like, how, how did Oral Roberts come to be? Do you know that? You know everything. Look, look it up for next next show. I thought you I, I told you, you don't ask ten times. I, I thought you would have had that answer I, in your back pocket. I told you don't ask questions to the that you don't know answers to those questions. But that's why right? I have you. Well, you, you got to give me a heads up. You kind of making me look bad. That's the point too. See exactly. See, I knew it. I knew it. Okay, I remember that. But. But listen, you know, upsets are re- what really draw those once a year fans and, and, and drive those those ratings and make the NCAA March Madness special. Like that is what makes it well, so yeah, special. So the average person who doesn't know anything about March Madness can literally pick anybody and you have a legit chance of getting that pick right. right. But what I'm saying is people watch it for those upsets, for those miracle moments, for the sister Jean, right, to see Oral Roberts beat Ohio State. So that's what makes it special. So, yeah, it's a good thing with all these upsets. So one team, JT, that did not have an upset was Iona upsetting Alabama. It did How not happen. How happy were you? It did not happen. I, I was happy. I was happy. Not an Alabama basketball fan, but, you know, I didn't really want to see Iona win. So Rick Pitino, who coaches Iona, as I mentioned, they lost in the first round to Alabama. But during his press conference after the game, he stated that he wants, and I quote here, no part of the so-called big time anymore, end of quote, referencing that he plans on staying at Iona. In addition, he also went on to say, and I quote here as well, it's no longer about me trying to move up any ladders, make more money, end of quote. So JT, do you believe him? and that he is not looking to go back to coach at a school in a major basketball conference. Man, he can miss me with this BS. He had me all the way up until you said the part, and you said, make more money. Rarely do people turn down more money. So I'm just going off of that. <laughs> if, if they come to him with any job that's offering him more money than he's making now, it's going to be very hard for him to go to his family and friends and be like, you know what? I just don't want more money. No, nah, he's going to take it. I don't believe him at all. I, and you probably knew I was going to answer that way. Listen, yeah, history- you don't believe anything positive about Rick Pitino. <laughs> because, history, because, Rick Pitino. <laughs> because history shows my answer history is the way that Don hates Rick Pitino probably in like top five people listen, in sports. Listen, I think he is one of the best college basketball coaches of all but, time. Hands down, but, no doubt. But my his, but history shows that my answer is going to be correct. It's going to be the way to go. He chases JT. He goes Boston University head coach to the Knicks as an assistant, leaves New York to go be head coach of Providence, to then be the head coach of the Knicks, gets fired, head coach of Kentucky, leaves there to chase something bigger, head coach of the Celtics, gets fired, starts back with Louisville, and is in a good spot there, has them up top, gets fired, basically says he's done with basketball. Oh, shows up in Panathinaikos in Greece, right, to coach, 
then wins a title there. That's not good enough for him. Oh, I got to get back into college. I'll start at Iona. What makes you think in his path, his career path, and he's 68, he's not that old, even though he says he is, what makes you think he's not going to make the next jump up the ladder? What makes you think he don't want more money? Like, it's simple. Like, this is an easy answer. Like, I know you wanted to go through all this because you really hate Patino, and I get it. You, You hate him. No, so you no. had hate, to, hate is a strong word. I do not whole greedy paper trail I, of a career. I do not hate Rick Pitino. Let, let me put that on the record. I do not hate Rick Pitino. I just don't like the way he does certain things. You don't like the way he does business. <laughs> and, and so, uh, listen, you know, the other thing is he, he's not going to be able to win a national title at Iona. And he wants to stick it to Louisville. He wants to prove them that they were wrong. So he's going to make wrong that about the strippers and all that. No, other stuff. That, he, he feels that way. That's the way he feels that he knew well, nothing hey, about Rick it. Patino, he should not have like been fired. You, wrong, you can always come down to Miami because guess what? The strippers really won't stand out that much down here. So, you know, nobody will bat an eye. You know, we're in the big East. I mean, ACC, you can come down here, start over, bring some five stars with you. We'll have a good time. I'm not going to say anything about the Miami Patino, program. I'm not going to say anything about on, the Miami Patino, program. I, I don't want to be the Miami head coach. You would, you wouldn't say it on here, but you'd be excited because you'd be like, first of all, Larry Nega is gone finally, and you're like, damn, who are we going to get that's a good player to finally get in here? Because right now, think about the good players we've had. It's Shane Larkin. Lonnie Walker, which most people don't even know he went to UN. And uh, who's playing there right now is uh, Stephen A. Smith, little, Bruce, little Bruce nephew. Brown. Who's that Bruce, old dude? Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown. He's not old. No, who's that old dude that was playing there this past year? That old-looking dude that's on the team. I always I always think he looks like Stephen A. Smith. Oh, uh, Miller. Miller, yeah. You're thinking Miller, yeah. yeah. Um, listen, someone – I'm not going to say anything about that because I don't want Miami's – program to get in trouble so so, but you're right someone's gonna throw him enough money that he's gonna have the power in the money and he's gonna make that move and jt i'm gonna throw out three teams here that i think he's gonna end up with is this the question at some point no but i'm i'm putting it on record it's gonna be kentucky if kentucky gets rid of calipari because he's gonna have to win soon enough tennessee or georgia he goes to Tennessee or Georgia and wins there, gets to a Final Four, wins a national title. He will be a legend there forever. They will build statues outside of the arena in they Tennessee or a, Georgia. They build statues of everybody. So I mean, if they will do that at Tennessee or Georgia for basketball. So he's eventually going to go. He's going to go. All right. We so, done with Rick Pitino or you got some we, stuff you want to say I'm about I'm done. Him? I'm off the soapbox. Jesus. As we mentioned in our last episode, Gonzaga is trying to become the first undefeated college hoops team to win a national title since the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers. They looked impressive in their first two games as they are led by their head coach, Mark Few. So, JT, begs the question, should Mark Few be the top candidate or a top candidate if he wins it all this year? I mean, why not? I mean, what? His his career is 625 wins, 124 losses. 83% as far as like winning percentage and you I forgot I couldn't find it and I forgot you asked this a couple shows ago um the stat about doesn't he have like the most 21 seasons like the past like what 10 years or something like that yeah the stat it, it was um I think he yeah I think it's he's never had like a a losing season in in his first 15 years or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Something it was ridiculous. like him, Sean Miller, and, uh, and and two other guys. Yeah, so, I mean, he's winning. The only reason we're having this conversation is, one, there's no title, and two, he hasn't been to a Final Four. So. I thought he's been the one Final Four. He's been the four. one Final Four? Yeah, yeah. Well, he ain't been there that often. But <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason we're, we're even having this conversation because, the what's the difference between him and Brad Stevens when he came out of Butler? It's the the championship appearances, right? Yeah, like Butler had back to back. Yeah, Butler had back to back. I mean, that's how the tournament is. It's luck of the draw. You know, it's it's winner go home. But I mean, if you're looking at stability, I don't see why he shouldn't be a top candidate. Billy Donovan, <laughs> who people are you know they not they don't they didn't think he was necessarily the best X and O's guys, but he got a chance to go to NBA. Uh, what was it? Uh, 
Bayline from Michigan. I mean, he didn't last long with the Cavs, but I mean, he got a shot in the NBA. I mean, few you could put his resume up against any of those guys, and as most cases, it's better. And to me, this is the one point where I feel like he definitely should be a top contender for NBA job. He's doing all this with no one and dumb players. Like he's strictly developing these dudes and they're winning. Like you don't know any of these guys on Gonzaga until they actually start balling at Gonzaga for a couple of years. And then they're on the radar. But even then, I think the, the guy this year is the only guy where I've seen in Gonzaga in a while since Adam Morrison, where like, they're legit talking about him going in the top five of the draft. Like most years he's doing this with guys that are just going to play overseas or maybe hit the, the D league. So just on that alone, you know that he's truly coaching these kids. And if he can get to the NBA, like they'll at least respect his coaching mind. Yeah. I mean, of course he should be a, a, a top candidate. I mean, even, even if he doesn't win the national title, I still think he should be. But in fact, JT, he actually was, he has been a candidate before. I just don't think people realize it. Back in December 2019, reports are that the Knicks reached out. I did uh, the I Knicks, remember that. The New York Knicks reached out to him, didn't offer him a, the job because he basically immediately turned them down, like after the phone call or upon the phone call. So I mean, it's the Knicks. So, I mean, yeah, that's not a fair. That, that's true, of, especially at that. You want to coach the NBA. Especially at that point, they didn't have some of the players they have now. You mentioned his record. I mean, unbelievable record. He's still only 58. But I think this is the thing, JT. The bigger question is, why would he leave, right? He's a legend in Spokane. He saw what happened when Don Monson left um, originally, where he was the head coach of Gonzaga before Mark Few. He went to the University of Minnesota. The grass is not always greener on the other side. And I think he realizes that. He has such a balanced lifestyle in in at Gonzaga that he could never approach that in the NBA granted the money would be a lot more but, but the again expectations what, would be un, exactly what unrealistic what are you he he would literally be sacrificing his life for that money in this instance because Gonzaga you know yes they, they want to win he put them on the map but he's able to balance that lifestyle and like if they don't win at all this year They'll be back next year winning 20 games. <laughs> he'll have unfinished business again. And even if they do win, I think his thing as a competitor is going to be, hey, we got to defend this now. Like, yeah, I've proved I can win at this level, but I want to I want to defend this now. He maybe he wants to be the coach K of the of of the West Coast. I, I don't know. I'm just saying I think that's the bigger question because teams are going to come knocking. It's whether he's going to answer the call. Yeah, it's very similar. You brought up a good point about where you are is better than where you can go. The grass is not greener. It's very similar to Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. Everyone's always trying to get him to leave, but he's in a great position. Oklahoma's always going to compete for a national championship. They're going to get good recruits. The fans' expectation of success are in a realistic place where it's like, you know what? We can win 10, 10 11 games. Make it to a college football playoff and not win, and we're not going to call for this guy to be fired. And I think Gonzaga's the same way. They're happy when he's having 20, 20 game win seasons, and then they're going maybe to the Sweet 16. Like they're happy with that because their expectations aren't, you know, elevated to this unrealistic level. Right, right. And, and he's probably even in a better situation than Lincoln Riley because Lincoln Riley has one bad year in Oklahoma. That might be it. Whereas Mark Few, they'll give him a couple seasons to, to mess up because they'll know he'll, he'll get it fixed. Yeah, for sure. So let's stick with basketball, but let's shift our focus to the pros. LeBron, some people say it was a dirty play, but he suffered a high ankle sprain this past Saturday, and he's expected to miss several weeks with the injury. He'll probably be back in about six games. The Lakers are already <laughs> without big man Anthony Davis, who has been out several weeks already with what has been described as a calf injury sounds scary because it sounds like Kevin Durant's situation. They are seven and nine without Davis, but you have not lost the fantasy game without Davis. Oh, don't jinx me. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Everyone's really worried. They're down AD. They're down Braun. Is the Lakers season essentially over? Well, JT, I'll be honest here. If AD doesn't come back at a hundred percent, 
if he comes back, and I know we don't like giving out percentages, but let's just play in that sort of world. He comes back at 70%, 75% playing the way he did even before his injury, where wasn't having the best season, wasn't having the typical oh, yeah, AD. Was a down year for yeah, him. not having the typical AD season. Listen, it is over. Forget about it for the Lakers. It, it's done. It's a wrap. They're not winning if that's the way it's going to be. I mean, they need both of those guys at 100%. And I don't even know, and I know a lot of guys on our fantasy league listen to this show, so I know this is going to come back and haunt me saying this, but I don't even know if AD should come back this season. Like, Because you don't, you think there's a chance that with Braun hurt, they don't, they might fall out of that last playoff spot by the time it's all over. No, not necessarily that, even though you do bring up a good point. Not necessarily that. I just, why risk it? You just signed AD to a big contract. And you already right? got the title, so the pressure's it, off. Yeah, like, let this offseason go. LeBron's coming back next year. He'll be healthy. You know that. But get AD healthy. You need him. And so, even if he comes back, it's a slow integration. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be 100% ready, even for the playoff time. And right now, JT, if the playoffs started today, the Lakers would play the Denver Nuggets in the first round all right they need a healthy ad against jokic they need a healthy big man just period because (laughs) the thing that's also makes me worry about these two guys being injured is they need obviously they need players they're talking about moving montrez harrell in a day like he might be he might be gone tomorrow there's no way you could face denver if you have no bigs and there's no braun Exactly. Or like, or like you said, they're not 100%. Exactly. That's why I said needs 100%. And last thing, this team, and this is a question I want to ask you, yes or no. This team of the Lakers without AD, if LeBron's 100% healthy, but no AD on the court, is this roster better than the 07 Cavs team that LeBron took to the finals and lost with against San Antonio? Oh, absolutely. You I, think and so? They, and they keep Trez? Yes. Oh, not even close. See, I don't necessarily agree. I don't think it's that much better. You're right. It's probably a little better, but it's not so much better that I'd be confident that they walk in the West. No way. So you, you're telling me they had players on that team when he was with the Cavs that's comparable to Kuz, Trez, Schroeder, Caruso, uh, what's the, the, the Horton Tucker dude. You think there's guy like – you would take that core and say it's the same as the one that he had around him in Cleveland. The only two that I would feel confident in saying, I, there would only be one guy that I would say, I think Schroeder is probably the best of those of the, is the best on both of those teams. But Montrez Harrell, I mean, didn't he have uh, Elgaskis that year? Elgaskis can score just like Harrell. So I'm, I'm not totally convinced this Lakers squad is that much better without AD than what he had in 07. And he ain't walking through the West the way he did in 07 in the East. All right. We'll see. Uh, we'll answer your que- another part of your question. I think I agree with you. If AD is not there, they can't win at all. If Braun doesn't come back, I don't. I think there's a chance they might miss the playoffs. That's an interesting – I didn't even think about it. I figured they were they were a shoe-in for it. But you bring up a good point. That West is, is a tight race at the bottom now. It's a good point. So, what, I mean, do you you didn't answer the question. You think it's over? Yeah, I did. I said it's over. Okay. Okay. It's a wrap. This guy's saying it's a wrap. So, let, let's wrap up that segment. Let's go on to the next one. Deshaun Watson. So, let's move to football with Deshaun Watson, who appears to be in some real hot water as Texas attorney Tony Busby has filed 16 lawsuits now against Watson for allegations stemming from inappropriate touching to sexual assault. For now, JT, you know, let's put aside any legal ramifications, possible suspensions, or, you know, what this may mean for the plaintiffs or for the career of Deshaun, because you got to remember, these are civil lawsuits at this point. Um, So let's put those aside for a later time as new reports seem to come out each day. So does Deshaun get traded now with all of this information out there? Um, and if you were a GM of another team outside of Houston, would you still be willing to invest as much capital in acquiring him um, as before these lawsuits were filed? So I know you're saying, all right, let's put aside 
you know, legal ramifications, possible suspensions. Like, it's kind of hard to leave that out because I'm just going to play the role of the GM of the Dolphins. Well, no, what I'm saying is let's not speculate or guess in terms of what basically what we're, we're not trying to say. We're not going to say what, what's going to happen. Right. We're not trying to say what should the NFL do or what should the Texans do in terms of a suspension. We're, t- I'm not saying that. In terms of that, and I'm the GM of the Dolphins because that's the only team right now that matters when it comes to Sean. For you. It really depends to me on how this shakes out because – it comes down to, like you said, are the accusations true? How long is he being suspended? I look at it this way in a vacuum. I'm still making the move if he's not in prison. Like that, like that's that's so, how you have so to. So that's the question, right? Yeah, you'd be I'm still willing, making the move. You'd be willing right now to give up three first round picks, a second round pick, and Tua if if they were to make is the that trade the deal that today. They said we had to give them because I don't know what it is, but I, I'm definitely giving them the number three. Well, what would you have been willing to give before um, to get the him? number three Tua? um uh the two seconds and maybe a first next year so okay let's say two firsts two seconds in Tua. if they yeah, were to I'm accept that, that today you would still, w- without knowing what's going without on without knowing because okay. anything anything short of prison you can you can absorb that risk as a gm because you look at what you're getting top six quarterback in his prime they don't grow on trees i just look at the big big ben situation similar it's similar now, Ben did it in a time where we didn't have as much media access, so we're not getting all these details like we are with the Watson situation. But look what happened to Ben. He, he, he beat the case, came back, people forgave him, he matured, and now people praise him for his turnaround. Like That gives me faith as a GM that as long as Deshaun makes good on being better going forward and he wins, the PR, the PR hit won't be as big. And at most, if he's not convicted, what I'm looking at is maybe a year that he's suspended at the most. And to me, that risk is worth it for the player I know I'm getting in return. So I'll go to the first question. Does he get traded now? And I'm going to stick to my original answer that I've been saying from the beginning, even prior to these allegations. I don't think the Texans move him. Now, in terms of if I was a GM, I'd be very hesitant. I'm going to disagree with you, JT, and this is why. I'd be very hesitant now to essentially trade my future away because you got to remember there's been rumors out there the Bears are willing to offer, what, three first-round draft picks? Like, I'm not mortgaging my future of the next five years for Deshaun knowing this is out there now because this, to me, is an alarming trend. And And you sound – when you say this, you sound like you're the GM of the Steelers, and I know that's your team. You no, I, but you but are you, are, when you when you say that name answer, a team are that needs consider, a quarterback considering name are you a considering team? being the possibly being the GM of a team that you brought up the Bears excellent example they are in a situation where if, if Pace doesn't swing this deal to get a quarterback he might be fired like are you are you giving this answer factoring in the most desperate of GM situations. But see, that's see now you're going to the extreme, right? I'm just Ryan, saying, you Ryan gotta, you Pace. Have, Ryan Pace may give up extreme, and you got to have an average, average answer. No, but but you're going to the extreme in that Ryan Pace may be willing to give up eight first round draft picks for Deshaun or Russell Wilson. That's not realistic either. You need to go with yes, a Miami Dolphins situation, or you know what? You know who needs one? Carolina. If I'm Carolina and Matt Rule. I'm, all I'm saying is I don't make that move because this is alarming. Bro, do you realize what's going on here? Like this oh, is absolutely. this is Matt Lauer, Bill Cosby type stuff if this is true. Like this isn't just in, in it. Oh, it's very serious. To like, me, but, but that's my point. This is this is on the same level of accusations that Big Ben faced in early in his career. I know we're talking about legal ramifications aside, and I don't want in, in any way want to make it seem like because I'm saying I would trade for him, that I'm downplaying the accusations and I'm downplaying, you know, possible pain that's been caused to the victims. Like, this is a very serious situation, and we ultimately got to see how this shakes out. That's first, I want to get that out there. But I'm just doing this based off of... No, 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 no I, you can't say that. You can't say that and then answer the question the way you did. You just what? said, I said, everything's out on the table. If they, if, if the Texans are willing to accept your offer today, you said you would still make it. So obviously you're not worried about it playing out. You're going to take your chance on the back end 
and and take the 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 PR hit. What I'm saying is I'm not willing to take that PR hit because if we bring in Deshaun right now, how do you explain that to the fans? That's why I would want all the legal stuff to play out, and then the Texans and I can talk. If you how come did, in, and, and, I, and I would ask on. you the same question because you know hold, better than me. Hold on. How it, did how did the Steelers deal with the PR hit that came from Ben? But it's a different. How did, how did the Lakers deal with the, the PR hit that came with Kobe? Two, two things are different. One, it's a different time. It's a different era back then. And two, it, and not to say that's an excuse. It's just the whole media um, circumstances different around level both. Of access. It, it is, it, exactly. And then two, they were already on the team, JT. Like the Lakers were never going to cut Kobe. Never. Like the Steelers were realistically never going to cut Ben. You're proactively going to get this guy. Well, here, well, here's here's also here's also how I look at it, and I feel bad that I'm saying this because it makes it seem like I'm a I'm agreeing with if he did do this, I'm agreeing with what he did. I'm, that's not no, no, you're not. You're you're just playing. We're, we're playing here's, the role of the G of the GM. Here's where if I'm strictly answering this in the GM role, you can't. You can't get too self-righteous in this regard because here's what will happen. Let's say Deshaun does get convicted of this stuff. And let's let's say they let's Remember, say, it's let's, not say criminal. Oh, let's say it's let's not say they criminal. settle. Let's say they settle. Let's say okay. they settle, right? He gets eight games, eight to ten games, right? And us as GMs, like you know, on the front end, we don't want to give up anything because we don't want to take the PR hit. And let's say something happens where you know Texans they don't want to take the PR hit. He gets released. Guess what? There's going to be some gym, a Bill Belichick is going to come in and say, you know what? We have the cachet to take on this troubled person and we're going to get him now for nothing. Like, don't be fooled. I know I'm, I'm saying I'm making the move as a GM because I know how other GMs are in the NFL. They don't give a damn about this. I care about it, but GMs don't care about this. They're looking to see how cheap they can get Deshaun Watson and who's going to be the first one to show the hand to see how much they're going to give up for him in this situation. So you can say that you don't want to go get him and you wouldn't give up picks, but I feel like if you were actually in the GM seat and you knew the other snakes that were working with you, you wouldn't be saying that because you know other people are scheming right now on how to get him, and they probably can get him cheaper right now than they could have two months ago. But again... I don't think Houston. You think Houston's just gonna be like, you know what, third round. You want to know yeah. what I think? You you want to know what I think about the Houston situation as far as them? Do they want to trade them or not? Yeah, absolutely. I think Houston is so stupid. I think that they would like to move on from him and get something in return, but they don't know how to say they want to move out on from him and take the public backlash because it's a stupid move. You're right; they should not trade him. But he's already said he doesn't want to play. They don't know how to say, okay, we'll let you move on because they're going to be the bad guys at the end of the day if they let him go because he's going to go to a team and do well. But so, and they're not going to do well right away. That's not necessarily true. Did the Orlando Magic look like the bad guys when they had to get rid of oh, Dwight gosh. Howard? Does Houston Rockets look like the bad guys? No. I, well, people I don't told like you Texas. before. The I just think people don't like the Texans. Be... They, they think they're a poorly run organization. They have – but they're always going to be bad Texas. image in the public. They're always going to be Houston Texans fans first, not Deshaun Watt. Yes, you will have some guys that will become whatever fans where Deshaun goes. But most of Houston Texan fans, I can tell you, JT, they will remain Houston Texan fans. All right, so we're gonna so we're gonna so we're gonna do this because I feel like this Deshaun Watson topic, the legal part, could be its own conversation in itself. But that's why I said put that aside. I know, but just it's, knowing but it, but what's it going on, decision like because you're saying like the PR hit that is based on the legal ramifications. Because if he's innocent, you're gonna make that move. But but that's my whole point is we only know what's going on right now. Right so now, do you make? Do you make right now? It make the move. And all I'm saying is I'm taking the other approach. I would at this point, knowing there's 16 of them, right? There's 16 of them, JT. Like, yes, in, in criminal charges hasn't haven't even come yet. So we don't know. They may not or they may. All I'm saying is if someone I, beats me to it and it still wants to mortgage their future, go ahead. So if be it. I want to okay. mortgage my future. I would then, if I'm Carolina, instead of going to get Deshaun, you know what? I'll give you two first rounders if I can move up to the Dolphins. All right, but I'll, I'll do I'll, that. I'll give you this caveat and then we can move on. I'm only even entertaining this because he's a quarterback. 
That's the only reason. Okay. And I've seen well, quarterbacks. That's why we asked the question. I've seen quarterbacks go through this before. Michael Vick went through. He went to jail and came back, and people still wanted him. I'm, it's only because Deshaun is a quarterback and he's elite that I'm even entertaining this. That's it. Well, of course. That I mean, that's why it's Deshaun, right? Like, that's why it's such a hot topic in terms of even before all of these of where's he going? What should you trade for him, right? I mean, yeah, this was just like a defensive end. No offense to defensive ends. Like, it could be the best anything it, in the league. If it's if it's not a quarterback, we're not right. having this conversation. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So we're going to stick in the NFL. We're going to talk NFL draft. It's, what, five weeks away? <laughs> Getting close. And now is the time you start to see guys make their move and climbing up the draft board. Uh, one of the guys might be Florida Gators tight end Kyle Pitts, who on Monday ran a 4-4-6-40. That's your that new is- guy, huh? That's all you've been talking about is Kyle Pitts. I'm, I'm not the only one. But he ran a 4-4-6-40 at his pro day. Weighing in at six foot six, 240 pounds. Insane. Is he now a top five pick just off the 40 time alone? All right. So, bro, if you say no, you a hater. Who has been, who has been the draft guru for 40 years now? Mel Kuyper, right? And he has him going to the Bengals in his latest mock draft at number five. So, is he now a top five pick? According to Mel Kuyper, he is. According to the Don, no. Let me tell you why, JT, and I'm not hating. Too many These are facts. These are facts. I'm going back to history. Let me ask you if you would drop, draft any of these guys in the top five or top ten. Vernon Davis. At nope. a time? Yeah. Nope. No, 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 no. We, we now have the hindsight. You want to go back we're, and see we're how looking, careers pan This out? is almost back to the future, right? We're looking into the future of whether he should be a top five, but right. we're looking back at tight end history. Vernon Davis. Nope. TJ Hawkinson. No, nope. oh, you're not actually asking me. <laughs> I, I am, but if you're not no, going to play, the, if you're not going to give the right answer, I'm going to have to answer I'm not for give you. The answer you want. No, I'm going to give my answer. No, you're going to give your answer because you know where I'm going oh, with this. Hawkinson. No, I, I know, you know. Basically, you're saying tight end is a is not a position that you should you be drafted. What year high. was Vernon Davis drafted? Shoot. See, you don't remember oh, who was drafted in front of him. He went number six. Do you remember oh, anybody three? after Vernon Davis? No. So how can you say, oh, yeah, he should have been a top five pick? No, Wait, Vernon, Davis, Ver, Vernon Davis, no. TJ Hawkinson, no. Hell no. I Kellen, like Wins- Kellen Winslow II was a top 10 guy. Nope. You would not go back and draft him. Noah Font, nope. Eric Ebron, nope. OJ Howard, nope. Evan Ingram, no. David Njoku, no. Tyler Efert, no. I could go on forever. The only guys that we would sit here and say are probably Tony Gonzalez Kelsey, and, Kittle and, and Ah, thank you. Travis Kelsey, third rounder. George Kittle, fifth rounder. Gronk, second round. It needs to be the right situation. Nowadays, JT, with how tight ends are going down the seam and across the middle, one, their careers aren't as long of a window in terms of productivity because of the hits they are taking. Look at Gronk. Now, that's not to say we wouldn't take Gronk top five. What I'm saying is it needs to be the right situation and unless you absolutely believe he's a Gronk kid or a Kelsey, you don't take him top five, not even top 10, because you can find better value at more crucial positions like offensive tackle, a quarterback, a defensive lineman or cornerback in those top five to 10 windows. And then the other thing, JT, because you're starting to see a lot of such athletic tight ends, you can find different guys, maybe not as good as Kyle Pitts, but that fit your system and can do what Kyle Pitts can do while not having to take him in the top five. Come on, top five. That's ridiculous. Absolutely. He's a top five pick. And first of all, dudes that are 6'6", 240, running four, four, sixes just don't grow on trees. We've seen it, though. We've seen it. TJ Hawkinson, we've seen it. Kellen Winslow Jr., that, we've seen it. That, But guess what? They didn't have these measurables. This is Calvin Johnson-level, like, size athleticism, like, do you realize how big that is? 6'6", 240, running a 4'4", 6". And I look at it this way. Like, I get it. Like, you can't get all hyped up about workouts and, you know, measurables. But here's one thing that I do I do know and I notice. When you see guys in any sport where, like, you have freaks and then you just have guys that are just, like, they just look different than everyone else. Like, you got those, – those dudes usually do well. Like, look at Zion. Like, look different. Good. 
LeBron looked different. Good. Like Chase Young looked good. He looked different. He's good. Miles Garrett looked like a freak. He's like, they pan out. Like, you can't pass on this kid. And he, Kellen Winslow the second was wasn't the a same. freak like this. He's not yes, a freak. 15 no, he years ago. No, whoa, 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 whoa. 15 years ago at the was tight end position. Like this was JT, not a freak. Like yes, this. he no, was. He was not. Oh my God! Vernon Davis you're, was. More you're trying to fit Vernon your Davis narrative. Was more of a freak you're you're trying to fit your narrative to your answer now. Then That's what Don, you're trying to do. Don, just listen to these. Listen to this again. Six foot six, two forty four, four six. There's like three people on the planet that can do this. I'm sorry. Like you can't. He takes, he takes on one that. bad hit. Plus he's he, done. That's anybody. It's, but okay, that's not want, true. Okay, you know, that is right, not right, true. All, Chase Young. A little bit, but you want Devonta Smith to go in the top three. Talk about one bad hit and it could be all over. He's 150 pounds. It's the NFL. Anybody could get busted He's 170. Up. See, you're fitting your Anybody criteria to up. your answer. It's a league. It's NFL. It could happen at any time. But here's the thing. He might be the best receiver in the draft, like receiver in uh, post. He might uh, be. See? You, nah. you, get, you, get, so, you get someone that is – I feel like the Bengals do have an innovative offensive coach. And guess what? If you watched their games last year, they used their tight ends pretty good. They were just trash. You get Kyle Pitts in there with Joe Burrow. Now, if I was the Bengals GM, I would pick him at, in the top five because, first of all, at some point, the Bengals got to get offensive linemen or they won't have a quarterback to throw the Kyle Pitts. But so wait, you said you would not take him if you're the Bengals. Yeah, I wouldn't take him because they and that's my whole point. That is my whole point. If you're picking that high, JT, I'm pretty sure you need a lot of other more. So the Falcons, the Falcons have a top five pick, right? Yes, they're whatever. Okay, four. they can use Kyle Pitts. The Dolphins have a top five. You don't pick. think the they Falcons? Hold on. You don't think the Falcons could either use a QB of the future or a defensive piece if they're trying to win now? But guess what? Here's the thing: they have Julio the Fal- and Calvin Falcons, Ridley. But guess what? If I'm the Falcons, good defense. If Patrick I'm the Fal- if I'm the Falcons, guess what? It might be a little irresponsible to pick a quarterback that high when you have one on the roster. This is a deep quarterback class. You could get Pitts and then find somebody in the second round. So you're going to find a defensive stud. Good luck. You couldn't stop. You couldn't hold a 28-3 to lead, but you think Kyle Pitts is going to help you get to a Super Bowl. Man, What Kyle happens Pitts. when Matt Ryan leaves and you're stuck with Kyle Pitts when the Don is throwing the Kyle Pitts? Oh, Good no. luck. Well, well, guess what? If you were throwing the Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley, you'd no, be No, right. they're not going to make me look better because I can't get them the ball. Well, you can't get nobody the ball, but that's a bad example. You put yourself out there like that. I'm saying, look, when dudes... Are you just straight hating on me? <laughs> it's facts. When dudes are like freakishly gifted at this level, like Kyle Pitts looked different all year in college football. Now, granted, I know it was a weird season, but every time I turn on ESPN, he's scoring five, four touchdowns a game. And it, I'm like, is this the same highlight? No, it's different highlights. Like he's just different. Those guys don't grow on trees, can't afford to pass on that. Bengals are the only caveat because they. They need their quarterback to not be in the hospital. But most teams, if they have a top five pick and they don't need a quarterback, should be taking him. Again, I'm not saying the guy is not worthy of top 15, top 12. If you're saying, I I may even stretch it to top 10, but top five? He he shouldn't fall fall no lower than eight. but, But that's, see, this is why I can't argue with you. The question is top five. I've told you he is top five. So who who should take him then? Tell me of those top five teams who should take him. You just told me the Bengals shouldn't. Dolphins, should if ta- we keep that pick, I'd take it so, over Devonta Smith. So you want your Dolphins to take him? Yeah. Okay. Do any I, I would I would totally disagree. I think you should either – I think you should go Devontae Smith or Penny Sewell. But again, I, well, I mean, what, I what do I know? Sewell, but I mean, I would, I would ultimately love to trade the pick. That's just me. But again, so – Again, right, he's right, not right, worth right, the look, top five. Look, he's I'm not, not just say just say he's not you, worth top five. I think he's a top five pick. You don't safe safe, safe to say. I want to know where he goes in the top five. If, it's hard if, to say that with trades, though. Forget trades. Forget tra- no take. one is trading up for him. him. No one is trading up for him. So put the trades out of the window. So on. So you want so you want the Falcons who have the number what four, four. pick? Four. Yes. So you want the Falcons to take. A quarterback at the number four spot with no plans to trade Matt Ryan. So now you have but, a top five pick as a quarterback. 
on your again, on your roster. You're paying him that money, and you're gonna pay Matt Ryan his money again. You don't. They're miss- in a win now mode. Go get. Kyle okay, Kyle. thank you. You're in win now. What's your defense gonna do? You're gonna need to score Wait seventy it. points. Go get a defensive guy, or you just said it to other guys. You need to protect your quarterback. Penny Sewell will be there at number four. I would take either a defensive guy or Penny Sewell before if I Devonta, take Pitts. If Devonta Smith was at number four. Why would the Falcons him? take him? No. I'm just asking. Well, you said Smith is, Smith is the top player in the draft. I didn't say he's the top player. I said he's the top receiver, and I think he's the top three pick, which All I right. put him with the Dolphins. All right, so you know what? Let's just go to Devonta Smith because we're going to agree to disagree on Kyle Pitts. Okay, Devonta Smith, do. he said that he wasn't going to participate in Alabama's pro day and that he weighs 170 pounds. <laughs> they just got to take his word for it. Ocho Cinco tweeted that he himself played at 170 pounds and Devonta Smith is better than he was in college. So I know we've sort of talked about this before, but ultimately does Smith's weight concern you as far as him having a long NFL career? Ultimately, this is definitely a JT topic. All right. You've been concerned about this dude's size and weight since people started showing him boy going number three to the Dolphins. <laughs> the boy is up to size, man. He what you listen, listen, the guy, the guy is not he's only tiny. He's not only fast. He's not only elusive, shorthanded, incredible character and a winner, tiny. but he's also an exceptional punt returner. Like, <gasps> so so no, when, you, when to, you see this, when you see this 170 pound man return punts as a top three pick, it's just going to take your when, breath away. When he takes it to the house. Yes. You will be like, dang, he, he's how often top do three. Returns? definitely a top happen. three. So listen, no, it doesn't concern me. All right. Like, let's go back and look at how concerning of sizes we were. Barry Sanders, I'm not concerned. Kyler Murray didn't seem like anyone was concerned. They took him number one overall. Lamar Jackson, I don't know how much bigger he is than Devontae Smith. No one seemed to be worried about his size. Russell Wilson, they knocked him for his size, but now what? No one ever brings it up. Drew Brees, no one brings it Why up anymore. Why you name it positions where they literally protect these guys from getting hit? So Barry Sanders they, gets protected? Well, Barry Sanders oh. didn't get touched because he was going against linebackers. Lamar Jackson's running around flat. like a running back. How's he being protected? Yeah, but also, too, it's a quarterback. Like, they can slide, get down. Like, okay, I get, I get so, what you're saying. I get I, what you're I, saying. I, I, like I get you, what you're saying, but naming all quarterbacks except for Barry Sanders is not exactly helping your argument. Give me some receivers that have been that size that it turned out just fine. I'll give you Marvin Harrison, but give me some other ones that have been that dominant to where you but feel like that's all you he need should is, be taking the no, top. No, no, three. no. That's all you need is one example because I will say there probably haven't been many more this great JT that's worth the conversation at his size. And that's my whole point is he is that good. You talked about Kyle Pitts. He's this good and that good and this size. All I'm saying is this guy is that dynamic and good that the size does not concern me. Kyle he will Pitts, avoid Kyle the big Pitts hits. NFL you know how hard it is to get a big hit. not worth the top five pick, but the little guy is worth the top five pick. Because that's his job. That's his position is to go deep, is to return punts. Kyle Pitts ain't returning punts. All right. Gosh, Kyle Pitts is not always <laughs> Kyle Pitts is not always running the vertical, right? He's going to be called to get inside and block. All right. So it, unless he can do that all year. I'm not taking him top five. And just to wrap it up here, again, (laughs) he is so elusive that they're never going to get a clean shot on him. So his injury concerns, they don't bother me. All right. So all joking aside, I'm not going to lie. Four or five months ago, let's say on a scale of one to 10, 10 is like I'm panicking beyond belief as far as concerns about him being – 170 pounds i was at a 10 now i'm at a six and it comes down to this yeah we talk on this show about you know yay or nay when it comes to him being small will he make it in the nfl but now i see pro players and scouts they don't seem to be bothered with it and it's given me some reassurance that smith can make it and it'll ultimately come down to this his game is based on speed and separation. Like, it is what it is. If he can do that and beat the press at the NFL level, then his weight will truly be irrelevant. Like, that's that's what I'm banking on. So that's why I'm taking it to a six on a scale of one to ten. 
I'm starting to come around on him being able to have a good NFL career. I'm still not at the top three drafting him yet. I'm not around on that point, but yeah, I think he's top 10 at this point. Okay. Hey, I'll take it. You're coming around slowly, but surely. Yeah. But I mean, 170 is still small. It's a little guy. <laughs> so let's go to somebody who's not little and that's uh, <laughs> Michael Brocker. So I don't know if you have heard this, but earlier this month, uh, Michael Brocker's, uh, he's a former Rams player now with Detroit Lions, told TMZ that he thought the Rams were getting a quarterback who's a step above their old one. So what he was referring to was the arrival of Matthew Stafford in L.A. compared to uh, f- former teammate Jared Goff, who's now with the Lions. However, funny twist of fate, Brockers was recently <laughs> traded to the Lions and is now reunited with Jared Goff. So Brockers has since reached out to Goff and apologized for the comments. Do you think Mike Brocker should have apologized for saying what his opinion was at the time of the interview? Should he have had to apologize? No, but was it the right thing to do? Yes. Like first he said those comments while with the Rams, all right? He was being welcoming to the new quarterback, Matthew Stafford, and really trying to pump up the fans on the on the trade man he was speaking the truth man now like look i've watched golf be trash for years he gone they now now he's back with golf and and brockers is being a true professional in apologizing just so there's no beef squashing that beef and he's taking the high road and hopefully golf accepted the apology and told him it wasn't necessarily necessary and let's go win some games like that is what is a team that's what's a team's all about like they're like a family you say some things in the moment that maybe you meant maybe you didn't mean and both sides need to be willing to forgive and work together so i think Man, he did the right thing. i'm michael brockers and i did this interview first of all i spoke facts you can go you can go check the tape it's true now i get traded to detroit they asked me do i feel the same way about the situation as I did when I was in LA. I don't necessarily have to say yes, but I will say something like this. Well, guess what? We'll check the tape and see how he does this year. Cause I'll wow, see that's because it's true. It's terrible, true. But you're being a terrible, but, 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 you know, but you know what though? You know what it's though? true. Like, so you're, you're one of those people that, Hey, Hey, you got to say the truth as it is all the time. That's not true. Come on. That's not right. That's not right. It's not right to say, say someone how, who keeps how getting this, money is not, is, is not good. So you're saying you're never going to have a bad season in your career. You're worth the new deal they just signed two years, oh, yeah. 24 if million. I have a, if I'm not a quarterback and I have a bad season, they're going to tell me how trash I am. <laughs> that's, but that's not true. If your teammate does it, you're not going to feel a certain way? You're not going to have issues with that teammate? Depends and it's going to ruin It's going to ruin the, the the functioning of the team, the Depends locker the room? Teammate is. If I'm Why Jared would you Goff do that? And Michael, and Michael Brocker says I'm trash, I'm not going to say a damn word. I'm not going to have a problem with it. I'll be like, yes, sir, I'll see you at practice. But but why would why would you allow that to simmer in the locker room? Why not do what Brockers Jared did? Jared Goff don't care. He's worth $100 million. He don't give a damn. But But – that you've got to work with that guy every day through the locker room. You don't think the other players realize the tension? You don't, th- you don't think Jared Goff heard he was trash in LA? <laughs> but when but when it's over the media and someone then apologizes, you're like, you know what? I can respect that guy. Maybe, you know what? maybe he right. doesn't think right. I am. And I feel better. Yes. Michael Brockers, you did the right thing. You should apologize you to go. Jared Goff. You, you guys should just there move on and have a great four and 12 seasons see you can you can you can say that stuff when your name is first on the show but you know mine is second but hey it's all good like i'm a team player let's be a team player let's be a team player huh be a team player jt are you done with that are you finally a team player Mm -hmm. team player all right so jt you know you've aggravated me so much this episode they were skipping trivia i'm giving you no i'm giving you two trivia questions so it's trivia time do you have a sponsor yet, by the way? It's only been two years, 80 episodes. I don't, I don't think they're doing sponsors anymore because nobody returns any of my calls or emails. So I think that's not something people still do. Oh, okay. All right, great. So we're, we're on the cutting edge. All right, so JT, only three back-to-back Big Ten Player of the Year winners um, have happened in basketball. Can you name the three back-to-back Big Ten basketball players to win 
Big Ten Absolutely Player of the Year. Not. <laughs> ah, come on. It's all been from the '90s on till present day. Um, is one of them D Brown? Nope. You've got the right era there, like the early '90s. A different um, team. Five, four. Isaiah Thomas, not one of them. That's eighties. Um, she played in the Big Ten in the nineties. I'll give you another one. Another guy was in two thousand. Another guy was very recent. Big Ten. Come on, I got. So, so what's the question again? Say it again, because now, now I'm gonna go back. Three players have won back-to-back Big Ten oh, okay, basketball okay, okay. player one. of the year All right. awards. Um, so you got early 90s, 2000, and recently. Come on. So recent? Nope. All right, let me give it to you. Yeah, give it to me. I don't know. Luca Garza. Come on, Luca Garza. He's just played this year. Early 90s was Jim Jackson. Oh. And then Mateen Cleaves. We talked, we spoke about him before we did before the show. I thought you were going to get it. (laughs) All right. Another uh, trivia question. I I was watching a certain show and this came up. So I was like, I got to ask JT, do you know who the first football player to host SNL? I know you're an SNL fan. Who's the first football player to host Saturday Night Live? I don't know. OJ. Nope. Who? I'll give you one more guess from the 70s. You are correct. Uh. Damn, who was bigger than OJ in the 70s? Uh, I can't see, uh, I can't see like Stahlbach doing it. Ooh, you're close with you're closer with that than you were with OJ. Namath. Oh, good one. But no, Fran Tarkenton. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna go with a new segment on this show. Useless sport. What? Hmm? You got something to say over there? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. Useless sports stat info. Of the week, JT. Don't talk about yourself like that. Wow, see? You should have said it loud enough so I could hear. I can't I can't hear it when I talk. So this is the first time since the expansion of the tournament, JT, in 1985, that there is no Duke or North Carolina in the round of 32. That's your useless sports stat info of the week, presented by JT and the Don, all sports all right. podcast. So hey. JT, great episode. No hard feelings, I hope. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll get you next show. For <laughs> sure. So great episode to all the fans out there. Thank you, as always, for listening to us. This was, as I mentioned earlier, episode 80, and we couldn't do it without you, and we wouldn't want to do it without you. So as always, please remember to subscribe to us. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. You can also follow us on social media, our handle, JT and the Don. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So, JT, great job as always, man. And until the next episode, see you. Peace.